join me, Christine Weinbrenner Eirich, for soulful conversations with my community of travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. We might all agree that we are missing travel right now. These conversations highlight what tourism really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. In each episode, you'll hear the story of industry professionals and seasoned travelers who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. This is the soul of travel. Eleanor Fish is the CEO of Run Wild Retreats. Her career began at Banff Lake Louise Tourism, where she managed travel media relations for the crown jewel of Canada's national park system. She learned the art of itinerary design while putting together fam trips for some of the travel industry's best writers, photographers, and film crews from around the world. Leaving the Canadian Rockies in 2004, Eleanor moved abroad, first to Australia, then to the USA, where she bounced between her passions, travel, and running. For the next 10 years, she spent time working as editor of a running magazine and doing tourism marketing for destinations ranging from the province of Alberta to Catalina Island, California. She founded her travel company, Run Wild Retreats, in 2010 as a way to marry her passion for running and travel. And over the past dozen years, it has grown into one of the top travel companies for runners, winning an award from Runner's World magazine in 2020 for the best women-only trips. Today, Run Wild Retreats is an IATA-accredited tour operator, offering tours in 10 countries, employs seven women, and is proud to be on the leading edge of the transformational travel movement. In my conversation with Eleanor, we discuss what it looked like to start an adventure travel company for women 13 years ago and how the landscape has changed in the industry. We talk about our mutual passion of transformational power of travel and how Run Wild Retreats create spaces to help travelers be more mindful and present. Love these soulful conversations? We rely on listener support to produce our podcast. You can support me in amplifying the voices of women by making a donation on PayPal. The link is in the show notes. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Eleanor Fish. Welcome to Soul of Travel podcast. Today I I'm so excited to be joined by my friend and like person who I am so inspired by constantly in my business, um, Eleanor Fish, who is the CEO of Run Wild Retreats. And we have been so lucky to be connected to one another for the past few years through our um, common work at the Transformational Travel Council in their design program and just in their community in general. And Um, So today I'm really excited to hear more about your business, some of the behind the scenes that I might not already know about, and to talk even more about transformational travel with you. So welcome to the podcast, Eleanor. Thanks so much, Christine. I'm really excited to be here and have this incredible chance to talk with you today. It's awesome. 
Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I always get excited for these conversations where I feel like it's someone that I feel like I know, but you also know that even though you spend a lot of time together talking about business and work, there's still all these things that are uncovered and still to be discovered. So I'm excited that this is a, a place to intentionally create that space of conversation. Um, but before we start, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about Run Wild Retreats. Yeah, I mean, this this is a company that that really I created just purely out of my own personal passion for running and travel, and um, it it. it, it it was a gradual process for sure. But um, back in like 2010, I was working for a running magazine, actually, because my whole, you know, my whole thing was was just about just love, loving the sport of running and really being involved with with trail running, especially as a competitive runner um, up in Canada. And then I had the opportunity to move to Colorado and um, and work for a magazine all about running. And while I was there, I, I, I kind of started to recognize that there really weren't a lot of women um, doing the sport. So I thought, well, I should offer retreats to to help, uh, you know, offer support for women to get comfortable running on trails and up mountains and through the forests and things like that. And so the first few retreats were really just about doing that. You know, it was very like local to me here in Colorado um, and just a you know pretty simple format, but. Um, it was, it was, you know, fairly soon into it that I started to recognize that, you know, the reasons why the women were coming had so much more to do, uh, to, you know, there was more, so much more to what they were there to get than just the running. Um, and so that started to really get me thinking about whether or not this could be something much bigger than just like a weekend running camp type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I love how often we create businesses that serve ourselves first, which I think is the best way to do it, right? Because you you know instinctively, like this is something somebody wants because I really love it. And I you would tend to think you're not the only person who's looking for that kind of experience. And you can also create something um, that's really, you know, really powerful because it's something that you're coming from a place of something that you're so connected to. Um, so I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about that as we move through our conversation. Um, but you, so you mentioned that you loved running and a, a part of a little bit of your background, but I'd love to dive into that more. What were some of your early travel experiences? And also, you know, you're really, really coming at this from a love of the outdoors and running. What were, what were some of the things that kind of fueled your fire for those things and then began to lead you down this path toward run wild retreats? Yeah, well, so, I mean, my, my background, like a lot of people in running, I was introduced to it through school and, you know, ran all competitively through like high school and college. And so for me, initially running was about competition, right? It was about kind of this athletic pursuit. But then when I, um, you know, old, like later in, in life, I'm in my 20s. And then I, I get this dream job working for this running magazine, like I mentioned, and I got sent on an incredible assignment to Patagonia. And my 
And I like I couldn't believe that this was my job at the time. My job was to go on this running tour around Torres del Paine National Park in Patagonia with um with this husband and wife photographer team who are like they're like the best kind of outdoor adventure and and running in particular photographers in the world and they they've created this life of like traveling around the world and doing their photography and um and creating these beautiful stories for magazines um you know and granted this was like 15 years ago so like there was a lot more kind of editorial work to be had at that time so so we were assigned to go work together on this project to take these you know beautiful photos i was the model in the photos and then i wrote the article um and we did this huge like eight page story in in um the running magazine in trail runner magazine and that just like opened my mind to running as something that was not about competition. It was not about the clock. It was not at all about, you know, achievement, but it was about like connecting to nature and exploring a place um, that in a way that I had never ever conceived before. And it just was like, that was the moment that I like, completely shifted my perspective. Um, and and just to to view like running as a mode of travel and how that can take you to amazing places and have amazing experiences and then connect with people through um through the shared love of running um because that that assignment for the magazine when we ran the Torres Alpine uh full circuit it was like a like a week-long trip um and we were with a group of runners from all over the world. And so it was just this incredible thing where we had this shared interest in running as like that common thread, um, that starting point for getting to know each other. And then of course, you know, you spend a week uh, staying in refugios and eating meals and running all day with these people, you really get to know each other. Um, and some of those people I still stay in touch with today. Um, and this was in 2007. So so just having had that experience and then meeting people uh, like this, these photographers um, who had created a whole life around, you know, following their passion and, and traveling the world really like planted the seed with me. And um, but it took a few years, you know, before I actually started my own company, um, because that was a huge leap of faith. And so um, it, it was still a few years before I actually quit my full-time job and like went all in on making run wild retreats an actual travel company. So there was definitely, you know, some progression leading up to that. Um, but once I got there and I was ready to take the leap, it was, uh, it was a big moment for sure, but it, it, luckily it's, it's paid off and we're still here today. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think that's, um, that's such a powerful aha moment that you had that, you know, hearing that now I can really see that experience, how that lives in what you create. So I think that's one of the, the coolest things about hearing people's stories and kind of knowing about what they do a little bit. You're like, oh, I really see how that informed this or this informed this when you're reflecting back on experiences in your life and, and how they show up in your business um, so you mentioned you started your business in 2010 or around 2010 and um, that you really wanted to get women involved in trail running and in traveling, you know, in this 
unique way that you found to be powerful to you. When you launched your business, what did the landscape look like for women-only travel and women's adventure or outdoor travel at the time? And what kind of response did you get you know, from other travel professionals or even from communities that you started to market these trips to? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because to be honest, like I was pretty naive, I would say, about kind of the travel industry. Um, I'd worked in tourism marketing for a DMO up in Canada, actually, for, for, for Banff Lake Louise and Banff National Park. So I had that experience of like marketing a destination um, under my belt, but I'd never run a travel company and I really did not, I was not very familiar with really what that landscape looked like. And, uh, I don't think I, I wasn't really familiar as to whether or not there was a lot of like women only travel companies out there, but I just knew that for the kinds of experiences I wanted to create, that there was something about that women only group dynamic that was just so special. Um, and I just knew it was going to be part of our formula. And I knew it was going to be what our brand was all about. Um, and I knew, I did know that there were other running travel companies out there that had been in operation for, for a long time and doing, you know, uh, running focused um, group travel for, for men and women. Um, and that was totally cool. But I knew that what I wanted to offer was going to be something just um, definitely more intentional. And this was before I had the language and understanding around what transformational travel was. So I wasn't thinking about it that way, but I did know that the dynamic and the connection between the people on the trip was really key to the whole experience. And so for me, it became very clear that I really wanted it to be a women only setting. So, um, so that's what we've, you know, we've been committed to since day one and still are, and will always remain that way for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder for you, what, what you thought that was, what that is actually bringing groups of women together. Cause I, I know that's, I, I obviously also have a business focused on small groups of women Um, And for me, part of that, speaking of building something for yourself, is that I really craved the space for connecting with women. And I would notice, you know, maybe doing a, um, a different sort of business trip, the the way that the women even spending a week together working in a destination to create some sort of program for them like spending the time together as women traveling ended up being the thing that I was really just like holding on to that was the special part of the experience. And then I realized, you know, that I really missed things like women's groups from high school or college, or even, you know, like summer camp or those, those moments in time that you don't have as an adult that really create space for connection and learning about one another and just showing up as yourself in a different way than you do in your daily life. But what, what do you think is kind of the magic of the gathering? of gathering of women and traveling together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had similar, similar experiences for you, just like as an adult, you know, we get so like busy in, you know, our lives and our families and our careers. And there's just a lot of all that. And it can be harder, especially I find, especially as as I get older to have time or to, to, 
to have the bandwidth to really commit to nurturing relationships with other women. And I just think that that's a really important part of, you know, of just kind of having a healthy, balanced life. And I think part of what inspired me early on was just remembering back to my college days. I ran varsity track and cross country and our team was really tight. Like we were really close. And so that whole experience of being part of a women's running team was really influential on me. And so I think I missed that. And so I think that 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 was part of what inspired it initially. But then, of course, you know, as I was doing more and more retreats, it was just so clear that when you get a group of all women together, um, even if they're complete strangers on day one, you know, they don't stay strangers for long. And it can be just incredible the the kinds of conversations um, and common threads that can emerge. And it would just always be so special with every group. And so it's just always, you know, felt really good. And um you know, and it, I think really goes a long way to creating that, that safe space. Um, and safe, I mean, in a number of, of different ways, like a space, safe, safety in, in meaning that you can just express yourself naturally and not feel like you have to change um, who you are in order to try and fit in. Um, but we really want people to, to just feel that they can be themselves. And then also safe uh, in in that they don't have to worry about being like left behind or, you know, being too slow of a runner. Um, you know, we really want the women to feel safe and supported um, and not worry about being kind of like the odd one out um, in any way, whether it's just because of their their running ability level or maybe just how, you know, their level of comfort of being in a group. Um, so, so all that kind of comes into play, um, in, in terms of, you know, how intentional we are with, with kind of designing the trips that way and, and making it, um, really comfortable place for women to, to come to. Yeah. And I, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned the not wanting to be the one holding up the group or be the slowest runner or whatever, because I think that's something I hear so often is like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be the slow hiker. I'm going to be the one in the back, or I'm going to be the person doing yoga. That's not flexible or doesn't know what I'm doing. Or, you know, it's interesting how women kind of create that label for themselves or that space for themselves maybe. And, um, what I've noticed in groups too, is, is how well people start to support one another and, like create space for them to be okay with being the person that maybe is the person running last. Cause there's always going to be one person running last, no matter what happens. Right. Or when you're hiking. Um, and then also kind of shifting the, the, the dynamic to realizing that as a group, how important it will be to everybody that everybody finishes or succeeds or completes, um, and then it doesn't matter who's in what position, but it's like about that group coming together to, to all succeed that I think, I don't know if that's unique to groups of women, but it's definitely something that I've felt and have seen be the most powerful element is that, that kind of completion or that, that group coming together to support each member of them. Um, have you, have you felt anything similar to that in your groups? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And uh, 
you know, having done this for so long and, and spent time, you know, traveling various countries with with groups of women, um, we've seen so many dynamics play out. And, and those experiences are directly led to kind of the approach that we have now to, to leading the retreats and, and all these mindfulness principles that we that we bring to the to the programs, you know. And, and one of the biggest things is just all the different ways in which um, women will sh- maybe, um, whether it's conscious or subconscious, try to to look for the ways in which they might not belong, you know, and that's where that that kind of, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to be the slowest one and I don't want to hold up the group. You know, that's where the, those comments come from is is just kind of worrying that they're going to be the one who might not fit in. And so they're trying to like mentally prepare themselves or prepare the leader um, for that. And that's just a natural kind of human human response. It's just it's just this natural thing to to want to identify how we might not fit in and and kind of maybe be a little bit worried about those differences and that's a whole that's the whole reason why we're very intentional in creating a a environment in which we focus on the things that that we share in common um and and um so for example you know in order to really make it a non-competitive environment so for our because our clients they are used to coming from uh, the world of running where, you know, they go do like a 10K race on the weekends, or maybe they spend months and months training for like a big race, like a marathon or something. So for them, you know, maybe most of their experiences around running have been in the context of training um, and participating in competitive events. So one of the biggest things that we encourage them to do is to run with us without a watch, you know, like leave your watch um, at your hotel room or just don't even bring it like you don't need that GPS on turn off the, your phone notifications and all that stuff so that you can um, just be here with us um, as a group enjoying this beautiful trail in this beautiful day in this beautiful environment um, and and like just disconnect from the usual things that might be giving you kind of that feedback about your pace and and um kind of the numbers that that sometimes carry a lot of meaning for certain runners and we just want to take that out of the equation you know what that's not not important here for this experience we're here to experience something completely different to be really mindful um and and focusing on the people that we're enjoying it with so it's it's really amazing that one of the the comments that we hear most often for, from people when they when they do take that advice and and do take the watch off and turn off the phone and that kind of thing is that they feel so much like freedom like it's just something that, that just taking that one little step can be so uh, so transformational in itself and. That, so it was more impactful than I ever could have thought. Um, but that's just one of those ways in which, um, you know, we want to kind of, yeah, like put everyone on a more level playing field, so to speak, um, and and say, you know, it doesn't matter who's running at the front of the group or the back of the group. And every day is different. And it doesn't really matter how long it takes to do this run. We're just here to enjoy it. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about before how ingrained that would be in that culture of that community is just 
like you said, starting from your first running experiences likely were in track or cross country or something. And so you've, you're always being conditioned to think about how you're performing and how you stand up and, um, to be able to remove that. And as you were talking about it, I could just feel freedom actually, like coming back to what it would be like to be a kid when you go tearing across the yard or down the street or something like you are not thinking about any of those things, but I think most of us are probably so far removed from that place of running or the thing that maybe got you into loving running in the first place probably was from that, that freedom and that just like, you know, being in your body and the movement of it and what you really loved. Um, and so this allows the space to step back into that. Um, so we have already talked about the fact that we met through the Transformational Travel Council and that we both are really passionate about the power that travel can hold for, uh, you know, the people that join us on experiences. I'm wondering if there was a particular experience that made you realize that there was something deeper to gain in a personal travel experience that made you want to really kind of tap into that and be able to craft deeper experiences for your own travelers? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of, you know, phases of the business has gone through, it's, a lot of it is is inspired by my own personal journey, you know, and why not? <laughs> um, so for me, um, you know, I was doing, yeah, operating run wild retreats for a few years and, um, doing all the things, you know, uh, I was still like running ultra marathons, you know, crazy things like that. So, so running was, was my life. And then all of a sudden I started to develop, um, just kind of this constant pain in my feet. And I'm like, Oh, this doesn't, (laughs) this doesn't feel right. Um, I mean, I've been a runner my entire life, you know, so when I have a new pain, it's like, I'm very tuned in and I, and I, I gotta, you want to f- diagnose it, treat it and like get back to, t- you know, to doing what I love to do. Um, and so I was going to the doctors and getting x-rays and trying to determine, was it like a stress fracture or what, and ruled out all kinds of typical running in- type injuries. And eventually, uh, learned that really the problem was that I was developing um, arthritis in my feet and that it wasn't going to go away and that it was only going to get worse over time. And needless to say, like when I got this diagnosis, it was like devastating. It was absolutely devastating because I created a whole life, lifestyle, identity, and my business around running and here I, my whole identity as a runner was, was under threat. Um, you know, I was in the situation where running was so painful. Like I was, I remember before really getting the diagnosis and getting the, you know, getting on a pain management, uh, program. I was in Iceland with a group of women and we were, we were up in the highlands of Iceland and it's beautiful, you know, like we're running in this big river valley where it's all like this rocky, um, you know, rocky uh, riverbed, uh, super wide um, with, with, with volcanoes on either side of the valley with glaciers on top of the volcanoes. And I mean, it's just spectacular. And the women are like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And there I was like running on these rocks 
And every step was just like shooting pain up my foot. And I, I almost had like tears in my eyes and I'm just like, yup, yup. <laughs> you know, just trying so hard not to show how much pain I was in, but that was kind of where it got to before I, I really, you know, was able to, you know, get a good diagnosis and, and start on a pain management uh, program and and then too, like just try to find some uh, some peace with what this meant for for myself as a runner for the rest of my life, and how on earth I was going to continue having a business that was all reliant on me being able to run. Um, and so, needless to say, it was a really tough time. But what it brought me to was you know, what is now like the cornerstone of all of our, um, all of our retreats, which is really a mindfulness, making running a mindfulness practice. So first I had to do the work on myself. And I mean, there was years, um, you know, especially there in the beginning, there was like a three-year process where I just was really taking a more mindful approach to my own running and my self-care um, and my health and mindfulness became a daily practice. And eventually I was able to get back into running, but with a much more mindful approach. So that meant all kinds of different things, but, but it really inspired me to bring some of those mindfulness concepts and principles and bring them to the retreat setting. Cause I, I kind of realized that like, not everyone is dealing with, you know, chronic illness the way I am, but we're, we are all, almost all of us are affected by some degree t- by stress and that that stress takes a toll on the body and the mind and how these mindfulness practices that we do when we're on the trail and, and throughout the whole, like the whole time that we're traveling, how can we be more mindful, you know, it, on each day and with all these different activities that we're doing um that it was so powerful for for just kind of like taking away the stress and really helping us get more present with what we're doing and just get more enjoyment out of the whole experience and so now that is like baked in I I call it like baked into our whole approach to retreat design retreat leadership you know, our marketing messages, our brand, like what we stand for, our values. So, so honestly, that, that is the part I get most excited about is just kind of thinking about how we can make these experiences even more mindful and how our team can really embody those principles even more powerfully. Um, So we're just constantly kind of iterating on that, but yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I think that was such a, a, a incredible thing that you were able to witness in your journey and then kind of say, okay, here, this might also be valuable. Um, and I would love for you to share a little bit more about this process because um, I'm sure if you have found that not all of your travelers are coming to you really seeking a transformational experience or maybe none of them are, but we can kind of subtly take them along this experience. And, you know, as we both know that they'll kind of get out of it, what they're meant to doesn't mean like everybody is going to have the same experience, even at the same time doing the same things. 
Um, but what are some of the elements you mentioned, you know, taking off your watch when you're running? What are some other things that you do to help travelers be more present and that you um, also do to create space for reflection and, and how that really kind of moves people through this journey as they're taking one of the experiences with you? Yeah, well, it, it's been such an interesting, you know, evolution and, and, you know, process of like trial and, and error. Um, because, you know, or earlier on uh, in this process, I had some experiences that taught me how, yeah, people aren't necessarily booking travel with the intention of like having a transformational experience, you know, being transformed by it. I think that's a hard thing to sell. Like it's not something that um, that can necessarily come across as being really attractive to to um, to a traveler. Because to be honest, like that transformational process could be kind of painful or difficult sometimes, right? Um, and and so we really wanted to be careful. And I've experimented over the years with with different degrees of kind of um, of, uh, different degrees of highlighting the mindfulness aspect of our retreats. Like for a while there, it was like front and center. Like this is a mindfulness retreat and people would so often, you know, sign up and say, I'm really just here for the running. I'm not really here for the mindfulness. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't really get this. So this is interesting feedback. And so what I really learned over the years is, is, you know, really give to, to give people what they really, really want, but then bring in the elements that are really going to serve them most powerfully. And so I, I knew that like having these mindfulness aspects of them, like asking them to take their watch off was going to be a big deal. But of course, the traveler isn't thinking about that. They're like, well, what am I going to see? Where am I going to go? Where are we going to stay? Um, how many miles are we going to run every day? All that kind of stuff. And And so we had to kind of you know, present that first, but then without really highlighting them, we would then also like have ready to go and, and, you know, would kind of roll out during the course of the retreat, you know, these mindfulness principles and ideas, right? So, um, uh, like another one is just, we do a lot of like embodiment sort of exercises, just really simple things like at the start of our run, especially on the first few days when people are still just trying to acclimate to the new place and the group and, you know, get comfortable with the whole um, place. Um, you know, things like uh, just being, becoming aware of maybe where they're carrying tension in their bodies. So we do like, you know, body scan and we work on posture and that sort of thing. And really these are exercises that are just really trying to get, help people kind of get out of their minds and like all the things that they might be thinking about or worried about and just more into their bodies. And that helps get them more present and grounded in the place and with the group. Um, and that goes a long way to creating that feeling of connection with the group and dialing down any kind of stress or anxiety that they might be feeling. Um, so that that those are actually really powerful exercises. Um, and then another one is, um, well, sharing circles. So um, that is where, you know, usually a few days into a retreat, uh, the retreat leader will 
you know, get everyone together. We'll sit down in a circle and, and people will have an opportunity to, um, to share a little bit about kind of what they're experiencing so far. Um, and we try to make it very much about sharing what's happening here and now and not, um, you know, it's not like, tell us your life story. <laughs> um, but really, it's just about, again, sort of cultivating some present moment awareness and checking in with people and giving them a, a space to 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 just share what what's on their mind with, with the group. And that can be a really powerful exercise, again, um, because when people voice things that they saw or felt or noticed or learned, um, it again, it helps build that connection. People are like, uh, they they realize that that they have so much more in common with the other people in the group than maybe they would have assumed otherwise. So, um, so those are a couple of the things. Um, and another one of the things that we use because not everyone is really comfortable speaking or or sharing in a in a group setting, and so um, the Transformational Travel Council has this beautiful journal um, that they make available. So we we offer that journal um, to our clients as well, so that they can journal to themselves in private, um, and we encourage them to do that. You know, leading up to the retreat and during the retreat, and to continue doing it after the retreat um, for their own, you know. Um, sake of of self-reflection and and um, just kind of under uh, getting in the habit of pondering um, and and putting into words the experiences that they're having um, because they might uncover something that they had really no no idea would would come out um, but that's where transformation happens you know it's not something that we create that that's the one thing that I definitely learned along the way yeah. Um, I love the idea, you know, talking about finding language for things, slowing down, just getting into your body. Cause I think we all know that we spend most of our time not there and not doing that. And even as people who think about this a lot, we see it, I think even more in ourselves that we're like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing this thing that I know isn't good for me, but I'm like doing cranking out in my business and I'm not resting and I'm not pausing and I'm not reflecting. And then we feel it. Um, so like really creating the space for that to happen. And I even think the contrast in running, it must be so interesting because you are, you're thinking literally about moving, right? So then even slowing that down is there's such a beautiful contrast between those two things that I think that is powerful. And then, you know, you mentioned in a group, I think one of the things that makes this type of experience so powerful in a group is if you are struggling kind of voicing something that you have felt, or you don't really understand how something you saw impacted you and someone else maybe puts words to it, it like releases that thing within yourself. And now you have words for that. And it's so powerful. And I think like in a group, you, you kind of teach each other how to like have that journey within yourselves. And I, and also kind of going back to the point where if you have eight women all doing this same trip, eight women are having completely different experiences. But yet, if you sit down together and kind of process it, you're also learning through seven other people's experience. So even if it wasn't yours, like you're kind of absorbing some of the power and the momentum of, of whatever they're experiencing. So I think like I, for me, that's one of the most 
amazing things to witness is just like watching some of that happen or, you know, seeing other people grow even through other people's experiences. But how, how have you seen maybe that happen as well in the group dynamic? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is like, I mean, I've done so many of these retreats over the years and every single group is different. (laughs) It's never been the same twice. I mean, sometimes, you know, there, there's moments of, of awe or, or just, um, a breakthrough, like where someone just like achieved something that they never thought they could do, like run to the top of a mountain or something. Um, or they're just such an awe of the beauty of the place that we're in. Um, uh, you know, that it, it just like, it literally brings tears, you know, and sometimes people are just like crying tears of, of happiness. And, and that is such an amazing thing. Um, uh, because, you know, we're, we're emotional beings and I think we're taught to just like keep all that stuff inside in our day-to-day lives. And, you know, it just feels so good to, to be able to, to express ourselves in a genuine way, whether that is like a whoop and a holler of excitement and energy, or just like, like a, just a release of, of, of tears and emotion, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and so it's always interesting. Like you never know what you're going to get. And that, that's what keeps, keeps the work so fascinating for me. Um, and well, and for all of our retreat leaders now, now that we have a whole, whole team of them, you know, we, sh- we constantly like share, um, uh, experiences so that we can kind of hear, Hey, this is how things went in Iceland. And, and this was how the clients responded. And, um, or, you know, another group had, this is how, what happened in Spain and this is how they responded. And, and so we're constantly kind of sharing those, uh, experiences in order to learn from one another, um, and, and get more insights into, uh, you know, how our clients are showing up. Um, cause that also teaches us a lot more about how we can, what we should be doing to help prepare them for this kind of an experience. Um, you know, cause like, as I've been saying, you know, we, we don't make the transformation happen. It's all really up to the client. And so we've actually been putting a lot more work in the last couple of years into, um, what, what we ask the client to do before they come on the retreat. And that seems to have a big influence on, um, their degree of transformation once they're actually on the trip. And so that's been a really interesting um, process to develop too. And based on some of the, the Transformational Travel Council curriculum, we developed a, a video called Travel with Heart um, using the, the acronym H-E-A-R-T. Um, and so that, that's those five qualities uh, let's see, humble, engaged, resilient, thankful, um, and uh, thankful. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what number? Uh, resilient, uh, aware. Yeah. So I got them all in there, not in order, but um, yeah. So those qualities, uh, we we present them to the client in the format of a video before the retreat. Um, again, just to, to really help plant those seeds and say, hey, if, when you if you choose to embody some or all of these qualities, you are in for 
an even deeper and potentially pr profound travel experience. Um, but what you get from this retreat is, you know, really depends on you and, and how you show up. So, so we do, um, yeah, want them to get the most from it, but we can't want it for them more than they want it for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as, as people who do the work of wanting to create transformational travel experiences, you know, we know what that potential looks like, but the traveler probably doesn't, you know, a lot of them don't. And, and this whole concept of transformational travel is, I think, still very new and maybe kind of confusing because there's a lot of buzzwords out there. So um, we definitely don't assume that our clients are looking for that or have any idea of really what we mean when we say transformational travel. So we don't really focus on using that term or that terminology specifically, but we do, after someone signs up for a retreat, we do start to, you know, offer little bits of information, you know, leading up to the retreat, just in little bite-sized pieces about things they can start to think about and steps they can take to, um, yeah, before they come on the retreat to kind of help prepare them so that once they get there, they might be more open to the idea of um, really engaging with the group, of really using the mindfulness practices, of, of um, you know, all the other things, of like really practicing gratitude um, as a mindfulness practice and really what that looks like. Um, so there's lots of little things um, along the way that that are kind of intended to help with that process. Though, of course, you know, what the traveler really chooses to engage with is totally up to them. Yeah. It's such an interesting place. Um, and I know, you know, you mentioned that we, we can't really want the transformation for them more than they want it for themselves, even though like I know myself, I, we do want it, right. Because we've felt it or we've seen it in others. Like really we do want it for them, but you can't just be like, this is what shall be the outcome because it is so personal. And so it's such an interesting space to be in when you're, when you're creating an experience, because like, I really am creating moments where I, I know there's the possibility for that. And like, I, I really want them to feel that feeling or know themselves in that way, or, you know, evoke that within them. But like you said, there's, there's nothing that says it will happen because someone has to be open and ready. But I love how you said, you know, you invite them to embody these characteristics because once you kind of open that door, then you're like, okay, like if, if they just pick up on this one thing, I can almost be sure that at the end of the day, something will have like grown or evolved, like something will have shifted a little bit and, and then creating the space, like we mentioned for reflection, then people can kind of ease into that a little bit more, but I'm wondering, you know, you know, you said you aren't super marketing forward, or, you know, you're not saying like, you will have a transformational experience at the end of the day. What kind of feedback do you get? Do you, do you have a lot of people that then do notice that they have had this shift because they've gone through this process? What does that look like on the other side of the experience? Yeah, I mean that's that's a great question um, because uh, how how do we know or how do we kind of measure that um, when we do get you know of course we ask for 
for feedback after the retreat or, you know, um, and some, so sometimes we hear it like on the last day of the retreat, when everyone's saying goodbye, um, the clients will share with the retreat leader, or sometimes we get it afterwards, like in a written message or one of the reviews that they post. Um, and I mean, I would say it's not, you know, you, you never know. Um, it's not guaranteed and it's not most women, you know, having like a deep transformational experience, but it's, it's a pretty special thing when it does happen. And then they do tell us about it. So we love hearing that. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, so, so sometimes the women will put it in writing and, and share that publicly that they were deeply touched by this experience. It was so much more than just a vacation that it was so much more than just, um, you know, a trip with some friends or whatever. Um, but you know, it's funny sometimes too, we'll, we'll have women who, you know, are very quiet and don't really engage much during the retreat. And you really have no idea like what's really going on with them internally, but like, that's totally fine. We just let everyone kind of have their own experience and, um, you know, do what they're comfortable with and share as much as they're comfortable with. Um, but it's fascinating when sometimes then we'll get an email from that that woman after the long after the retreat saying that they were like deeply, you know, just deeply touched and just had an amazing time and and would would just be like pouring out all these different, you know, compliments and and um exclamations about their trip, but we didn't see any of that during the retreat. <laughs> but you know, but then they could say after they got home that it was really fantastic. Um, so that's just like two ends of the spectrum and then everything in between. Um, but I would say, especially since COVID, um, you know, when when the world was shut down and the travel bans were in place and we were all at home and people, you know, started craving just like, I just want to take a trip. I, I go anywhere, just like get me out of here. Um, and so ever since travel kind of resumed after COVID, you know, the, I, I know the travel industry in general has had such a, you know, such an overwhelming demand, but we've had so many women um, coming back uh, who'd been on trips with us before and are all coming back. And, you know, they tell us like, I just, I needed this. Like they knew what they were coming for and they were so much more ready for it they were like I have been alone <laughs> at home and I've been just like looking forward to this and um and that's been amazing because um I think that whole period of being home and and you know when the pandemic was just you know fueling just our feelings of like fear and loneliness and all kinds of things um I think it made us all just appreciate the value of just like being with people and being out in the world and connecting and um that I think we we don't take that for granted anymore um and so to be honest I feel like the the overall kinds of feedback from women that had so much more to do with that feeling of transformation and growth and meaning from the retreat is just so much more than it was before the pandemic. Whereas people were like, the running was great. The scenery was beautiful. The meals were awesome. It was like, yeah, but there was more to it than that. Did you, you know, have a mindful experience? And so, um, so, 
while that was happening before the pandemic, it's so much more so since um, that. So I see that as a as a gift, um, and we're just really excited to build on that and offer just more experiences than ever, and hopefully, you know, reach more women than ever because um, the, the message we keep getting is like that women need this, they want this, and um, they're ready for it. So we want to be there to deliver. Yeah, I love that. And I love that, you know, sharing that after people have experienced this once, so maybe they did go because they wanted to travel with girlfriends, they wanted to run, you know, see a beautiful place, all those kind of things you said, when they returned, they were like, okay, well, that was all great. But now what I am really coming back to you for is that extra layer that I got. And I really Mm -hmm. kind of hone in on that the second time. So I think it's so great that if you you know, invite them in with what they know and then give them this other piece, then, then they get comfortable with that too. Right. And then they come back for that experience. Cause that is what's really powerful. Like you said, there's lots of people that offer running trips and, you know, other things like that. But this thing that I think people really need once they understand it and feel it, um, that's really important. And the other thing, you know, that you mentioned with the example of the woman who maybe was quiet and didn't really seem like maybe they weren't having that experience, um, for people listening, like sometimes takes a long time to understand the impact that something has had on you. And, you know, if you're thinking about transformational travel, a lot of people might have this notion that it's this huge pow that happens and you walk away just completely different. But I think for most people, it's like, three months later or six months later, two years later, when you're doing something and you, you like reflect on why is this all of a sudden so important to me? Or, you know, where is this thing coming from? And then you go back and you're like, oh my gosh, it was this moment in this experience that I didn't really realize was activated, but then it took this amount of time to like surface and bloom and become what it is. And I think you know, that's also really special to, to get some time in and be able to come back and see, but for, for people kind of trying to understand, or maybe to allow them not to feel disappointed that they didn't have this huge moment. Like sometimes it is just little and imperceptible, but it becomes something important later. And, and I think that's another really magical thing to be able to witness in in working this way. Absolutely. It's it's so rewarding and um yeah, that's why we do it and that's why we keep going even you know at those moments when running a travel business is tough, you know, because uh we know that it can be so impactful on people's lives. So it keeps yeah. us inspired. Yeah. Well, Eleanor, thank you so much. I am thinking of like 20 other questions that I wish that I could ask you right now. So perhaps there'll be a a part two to our conversation. But before we end, I just have a series of uh, seven rapid fire, rapid fire ish questions, which I know you listen to the podcast. So you're probably familiar with some of these, but we'll uh, we'll jump into those. Um, The first is what are you reading right now? Oh, um, right now I am reading, um, uh, what is it called? (laughs) Radical Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. Oh my gosh. Must read. Yes. I feel like that one was just recommended 
by someone else, perhaps. So I need to look at that one. <laughs> um, what is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel? Oh, um, oh, honestly, like a, a massage ball for rolling muscles. Yeah, that's critical. <laughs> I, um, I actually just was gifted one of those at a women's travel event recently that's made out of cork. So it's really nice because yeah. it's super light, but I had the worst kink in my shoulder from flying. And I was like, I wish I had one of those travel balls that all these people always talk about. And I got one and it was miraculous. And so now that is also always in my backpack when I am traveling. Oh, good call. Um, so to sojourn is to travel somewhere as if you live there for a short while, where is a place that you would still love to sojourn? Oh, that, that I haven't yeah. been to yet. Sure. But, um, oh my gosh. Uh, well, um, I guess Bhutan, I am really intrigued by Bhutan. Um, we've got a group there now, but I haven't been yet myself. So I got I want to go there. Yeah. It looks amazing. Yes, I agree. That's a, a place that I feel like has some real special energy that I would love to explore. Um, what do you eat that imme immediately connects you to a place that you've been? Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, like really gourmet olives remind me of being in Spain where, I mean, I'm just crazy for Mediterranean cuisine. And um, so I, I buy the most expensive olives you can get at the grocery store in the hopes that <laughs> I can feel a little bit of that. It's never the same, you know, as the olives they have in Spain, but I can pretend for just a moment. <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting ready to travel for a year with my girls. And one of the first places we're spending a long amount of time in is Spain. And just yesterday I was thinking, cannot wait to eat olives in Spain. I don't know why, because I have not yet done it, but apparently that is the right thing to be wishing for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> um, who was a person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? Oh gosh. Um, well, uh, so many people, um, I would say my, my grandmother, to be honest, um, uh, she was a world traveler and a very independent woman. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that, uh, even though she didn't travel much, you know, by the time I, I was, you know, an, a young adult, um, but uh, I knew that about her and, and I think it, it kind of influenced me in a kind of a subconscious way that, yeah. that that is just what kind of independent worldly women do is, is travel. Uh, if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Oh. Um, I did not think about this in advance. So it's such a good question. I can't even imagine. Um, well, this is going to sound crazy, but like I've been reading a lot lately about ancient Egypt and I'm just kind of fascinated by ancient Egypt. And so I, I would, I would want to go on a trip with Cleopatra. I mean, she sounds like one badass woman and um, I bet it would be interesting <laughs> yeah. to do that. Um, I'll have to look for and share with you. There was an Egypt exhibit um, at the Natural History Museum in Denver, and 
they I picked up a book up all about like women in the history of of Egypt because I was really curious about all these other uh, female figures in in that area so I'll have to share that with you because I think cool. yeah there's it would be very interesting to experience through their the context of what their experience was living in that time um, the last one is uh, solo travel is a space for uh, recognizing women in the industry. Is there one woman who you admire and would love to recognize in this space? Um, uh, wow. Well, I'm, I, I've just been so fortunate to have uh, met so many amazing women, especially in the last couple of years, going to some of the wonderful events, um, that, that, you and I have both been to, um, well, I, I guess I, I would really think about, um, our, our lead retreat leader is a woman, uh, Charlotte Renault. She's just an incredible woman because she, she's Danish. She lives in Colorado. She's currently in Bhutan leading one of our retreats. She's, traveled to so many countries um and she is just an amazing person to um be on our team because this work just comes so naturally to her it's so naturally aligned with who she is and um she is able to really you know usher people through this journey not just the outer journey but the inner journey in a way unlike anyone else I've ever seen and um she truly has a gift for it and um so I, I just feel so fortunate to have her on her team and she's just incredible um and anyone who gets to travel with her is so lucky um so yeah she's definitely someone she inspires me an incredible amount Thank you. Thank you for recognizing her. And I also love um, that you recognize someone on your team. I think that's one of been one of the, the most amazing things about growing a business is like the people that you get to kind of bring into your sphere and work with. And the I think the intentionality that you can put into that as you are starting to work with people and like corporate culture, which is one of the questions I had wanted to ask you that will have to be a part two. But I, I just think there's something really to be said about that experience too, as, as a business owner. And so I love that that is who you mentioned. Um, well, thank you so much. Uh, I have really looked forward to having this conversation and I'm so grateful that you were here to spend this time with us today and with my listeners. So thank you. Thank you, Christine. It's been an honor and I, I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you so much. listening to Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I'm so happy to connect with you. You can find more about the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourn community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here you can find out more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can also find The Lotus Sojourns I Guide for Women, as well as my current book, Sojourn, offering an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community 
the Lotus Sojourns Collective. Or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or Soul of Travel Podcast. Join the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story. Thank you.